Feeding your kids is a lot like teaching them to swim. Whether it be with myself or other feeding experts, you've probably heard this analogy used several times, and there's good reason for that. Because even though we might wish a sink or swim approach worked when it comes to introducing our kids to new foods, the frustration that many parents face each day and at each meal reiterates that forcing our kids to take a bite isn't a sustainable or a stress-free approach to feeding. Instead, much like taking our kids to the pool, which many of us are probably in the habit of doing right now with it being summer, there's some steps that we want to go through in order for it to be a fun experience for everyone. And these are simple and often steps when it comes to going to the pool that we do without even thinking about it, like packing a pool bag, applying sunscreen before they get in the water, and some of the safety measures that we take once our kids are in or around the water. But too often we speed right past these steps and disregard their importance when it comes to teaching our kids to eat. So if you like analogies, this episode is going to be right up your alley because I am going to translate all of the professional feeding jargon that you need to know in order to help your picky eater have a breakthrough this summer. Another thing that feeding experts like myself are often trained in and will often refer to is something known as the steps to eating, which is the SOS approach by Dr. Kay Toomey, and it's a phenomenal approach. However, there's so many intricacies to it. So I want to break down this feeding jargon as our evidence-based background to what I'm coming into this episode with to give you really clear advice that is as obvious to follow as the sunscreen that hasn't been rubbed in on your child's cheeks. So let's take a dive into today's episode and get you suited up for summer. Hey mama, I'm Ashley and welcome to the Veggies and Virtue podcast. In this podcast, you will find simple menu ideas, kitchen organizational systems spelled out for mom life and feeding tips and tricks that are both evidence-based and grace-laced. I believe that you can find flexibility when it comes to feeding your family so that you can feel calm, capable, and connected in the kitchen. As a registered dietitian and Christian mom of three myself, I want you to break free from the mealtime battles and to feel equipped while feeding your kids all day long. Pull up a stool at my kitchen counter and let me pour you a cup of coffee and say a quick prayer for you. It's time to chat about the mealtimes, messes, moments, and ministry of motherhood. If you've been following along on Instagram, you know that for the last several months, our family has been installing a pool in our backyard. And we're super excited because, Lord willing, within the next week, we should be able to dive in. And yet, this is one of those analogy episodes that just comes top of mind all the time in working with families one-on-one, but also in feeding my own kids. Because while the visual is so clear of what it looks like to just push someone in the pool, it's like you can almost, if you have multiple kids, you can almost imagine one sibling just doing it to the other and the uproar of emotion that then ensues. But when we think about it, And we parallel it in the feeding context and how we can't just push our kids in. We can't just force them to take a bite and expect it not to create a lot of exaggerated emotions, most of which are not pleasant ones. And yet as parents, we all feel that frustration and that impatience and that irritation when our kids don't eat what's offered. When we put the energy and the effort and the investment into providing them with healthy, nourishing meals, and then they just sit there and stare at it. It's like going to all the effort of all the things that we'd have to do to plan and prepare and pack for a family vacation, only for our kid to not want to get in the water. Nothing can be more frustrating and infuriating as a parent. However, 
to help us harness those feelings that we naturally have as humans in trying to help our kids eat healthier options, be exposed to new foods and expand their palates and ultimately diet variety and quality, we often don't know how much do we push? How much do we sit back? How slow do we let our child go to learn to like new foods when we are in the flesh and we do feel that frustration sometimes? So this episode is going to walk you through an analogy that I've shared over and over again, but I think it's so timely as we're in summer, as we're constantly seeing the visual of being at or around pools. And hopefully you can, you can draw from this some really obvious parallels in terms of how your family is approaching learning to like new foods without just pushing someone into the deep end. So where I want to kind of take this is the thinking that we can know that we're exposing our some our kids to something that they would enjoy. And this is kind of how I brought it up with my kids. I said, you know, I'm not ever going to ask you to do something that I don't think is safe. That's number one. But I'm also going to expose you to different experiences and adventures and opportunities that are new. And sometimes new things feel scary and feel unsafe. So I prefaced my kids with that. But what I then shared with them and the parallel I made for them is that what if we had gone to the pool hundreds of times and yet they still had never even put their foot in the water? And we just began dialoguing about this. And I just asked them, you know, like, what do you think you would miss out on? You know, both my girls are on swim team this summer. Owen plays playfully in the sun, er, in the pool and enjoys the water. But I was talking to them about, what if I took you to the pool and I kept taking you to the pool and I never pushed you to get in the water, but with that, you also never initiated getting in the water. And we kind of just hung out on the side of the pool all summer, year after year. And I asked them, what do you think mommy should do in that case? Do you think it's a good mommy to let you miss out on something that I think you could enjoy? Or do you think that we should just wait it out and just miss years and years and years of playing in the pool together because you're not sure if you're ready and you feel a little unsure and unsettled and maybe unsafe with what the water offers you? And you know, if this is a conversation that you feel like you could have with your kid, I think it's such an eye-opening experience because you get to kind of understand swimming in through the lens of your own child and you can quickly compare it to how you approach feeding that specific child, that specific child's temperament, but also as a family. And so Something I talked with the kids about is I'm never going to ask you to jump in the deep end if you're not comfortable. That would not be safe. That would not be considerate. That would not be something that mommy feels comfortable doing. But we began talking through what are all the dynamics of swimming? What are all the steps to swimming that we have to work through so that we do feel comfortable, so that we do feel safe, so that we do feel sure of the experience that we're going to get? Sure, things can happen, but as we started kind of brainstorming through the tears of this process with my own kids, very quickly it mimicked the steps to eating ladder that I know from a feeding perspective. And so I want to share that with you guys today because I think having a visual 
of this progression is so important for parents because so often we just assume eating is automatic. It's a two-step process. We offer something, we offer new food, the kid eats it, bing, bang, boom. It should be like so straightforward. And yet myself, and I know so many of the parents I work with and so many of you who are likely listening to this feel stuck. You feel like you've been sitting on the side of the pool for years and honestly, you might wanna kinda toss your kid in the pool and just be like, I'm done with this. This patient approach is not working. Yeah, we're being a positive and you know, meal times are fun and playful and you know, it's it's peaceful, but are we really making progress? And I understand because again, that's where this came from with my own kids. I'm just kind of talking through let's talk through how we feel comfortable with this. Because we can see that a kid is not swimming yet and very easily and unemotionally equate it to their age or their experience level or their personality type. And it may be frustrating for us as parents, particularly if it comes to, you know, safety around water and things like that. But we often don't think of our kids being able to eat the way that we do our kids being able to swim yet. So before we jump into some of the dynamics that I want you to think about, I want to just give you a quick little example that, again, I would encourage you to um, assess kind of your children or child on. And that is what works with each kid doesn't work for every kid. You know, when I look at what we did with my two daughters versus my son, we enrolled each of them in the exact same infant survival swim program. I've shared about this on Instagram at length before, but living on water, we decided that that was um, the approach that my family was comfortable with, which I'm sure I'll get plenty of comments because it is kind of counter what I'm talking about here. But regardless, my point being that the approach that we used with the girls as you know they were right around 12 months when we started meant they were both swimming very effectively and independently by two years old and we had the survival steps in place it was good with owen we did that and then COVID hit and so he spent months and months out of the pool and then we did another program with him a year later and he kind of caught on and then quickly forgot between like spring break and summer and here he's going on almost four and we still have not got him to grab on and understand the concepts of swimming the way that the girls did at twice their age and you know i think about this because he had you know the pandemic which was a barrier we don't have a pool we live on a lake but we don't have a pool and so he wasn't getting that constant exposure the same way that the girls were Um, because pools were closed and we couldn't go to friends and things like that. So there are more barriers, but there's also an element of just temperament. Different kids take to different things in general in terms of the approaches that work. You know, now we're trying different approaches with Owen than we did with the girls because we're seeing the approaches that worked with them aren't proving to be successful with him. But additionally, we see that there's just different things that are going to um, spark the interest of or get the engagement of different temperaments. And that can be towards learning how to swim and most definitely learning to eat. And so as we think through the process of taking our kids to the pool, I want you to think through the process of inviting our kids to a meal and how we can feel it's a success, even if they don't quote unquote, learn how to swim that given time. So first, I want you to think about the preparation. When we talk about going to the pool, any mom or dad knows 
that packing for the pool, if you don't have a pool bag that's like kind of pre-packed and ready to go on a given basis, that in and of itself takes forever. And if you have a kid who's in a swim diaper, you know that they've probably already peed themselves before you're even ready. I've definitely been there for that too. But when we talk about getting ready, you know, I think about like in the morning, we're talking about it. We're talking about what we're going to do that day. We're preparing their minds and their bodies for what's to come. We are actually tackling the tasks of getting ready. We're often putting on swimsuits, getting our cover-ups. We're packing helpful tools. This might be towels or floaties or goggles or dive toys or any of those kind of novel things that our kids enjoy when they're at the pool. This might be, uh, you know, flotation devices if your kid doesn't know how to swim and things that help kind of aid them in wherever their skill level is at. But we do spend quite a bit of time tactically preparing with the things that we need to bring, but also engaging our kids in that preparation process. And I want you to think about that in terms of meal times with your kids. We want to talk about the meal that we're going to be having or saying we are starting to get ready to have lunch. These are the things that I need to prepare. I'm washing this fruit or vegetable. I'm starting to cut this. I'm going to toast the bread. You can engage them in some of those preparations so they are more aware of what to expect as it comes time to actually sit and eat. Additionally, you wanna think about what kind of helpful tools are going to either um, make the experience more exciting and enjoyable and engaging for your kid at the table, or what kind of aids might help them be more successful in eating. And so we want to take that time to prepare and see that it's a time to prime our child for the experience to come just as we would, you know, prime our child for the experience to come if they're, you know, not sure what to expect once we get to a pool or a friend's house with a pool or something like that. Next up, we want to address how when we get there, say when we get to the pool, we often would take some time to settle in. You know, we kind of figure out what chair and what amount of shade coverage we want. We'd put our things down. We'd kind of unpack whatever bags we need. We'd get everyone their things. If we haven't applied sunscreen, we'd be doing all that. Any mom knows all this song and dance, right? Well, the mealtime routine is the exact same. So often we can just scoop our kid up in the middle of play, plop them down in the seat, and expect them to dive right in. And yet that's not how we approach this. We want to think about how we take time to settle in to the meal. We want to help our child transition to the table. We want to, you know, help them settle in that they may need to wash their hands ahead of time. They're going to need to put any toys or devices or distractions aside. They need to come and sit and get comfortable in their seat. They need to, you know, make sure they have their cup and their forks. And again, any of those helpful tools that we had just talked about. And we want them to begin to settle in so that they have a calm uh, disposition as they approach this experience um, at the meal, but also so they know that we are prepared, we are ready, and this is inviting an experience to come. But the real thing I want to dive into and talk about is assessing the comfort level. Once we have prepared ourselves, once we have settled in, then we begin to assess comfort level. And this is really where the activity took off when I was talking to my kids about it. Because when we talked about it's time to dive in, if we're talking about it's time to dive in with a new food and it's time to take a given food for a swim. So we would have a new food and we would look at it and assess our comfort level. And we would say, do I feel ready to like run and jump in? 
Am I going to cannonball in the water? Am I ready to just like high dive in with this food? Would I make a big splash, a little splash? Am I barely tippy toeing near the pool with this food? Like this food makes me uncomfortable. We want to kind of address where our kids approach this because often this is the step that we completely miss when it comes to the steps to eating. We just assume a high comfort level with all foods. With a love it food, sure, they might be ready to dive right in with it, gobble it up, no problem. But for a learning it food that they have a lot to learn about, we want to help them explore that thing so that they can learn more about it so that comfort level increases. And in doing so, they get closer and closer to eating it just the way they would if they were getting closer and closer to getting in the water and actually trying to go for a swim. So let me walk you through some of the examples and the questions that my kids and I were chatting through, and you'll kind of see the um, process of how each one is a little bit further along in the steps to getting in the water and learning how to swim, and how that parallels the steps to eating and getting them to actually taste or eat a given food. So first we might want to kind of talk about what does it look like? You know, when my kids and I were drawing this, we just used um, dry erase markers on the little window that's right near the kitchen table. The kids thought that was really fun. But we called each of these fish. The fish were just little fish that were in the water. Some were near the surface, some were down deep. But you can see kind of the fish near the surface were very simple concepts. Like, what does this food even look like? I don't have to touch it. I don't have to be super involved with it. But if I'm standing by the pool, I can tell you what the water looks like. Just the way if I'm sitting at the table, I can tell you what a food looks like. This is a step to eating. We want them to visually tolerate something. Just the way we need them to visually tolerate seeing the pool. Any parent who has had a child scared of water knows that that is a big step. And the same goes with new foods. The next kind of fish a little lower down in the water might be what does it smell like? And for them to engage with it from a smell standpoint. If you're at the beach, you smell the water. You can smell the salt water. If you're at a pool that has a lot of chlorine, you can smell it. But we also might talk about what does it sound like? Let's listen to someone who makes a splash in the pool. What does that splash sound sound like? Well, with eating, what I would often do with my kids is say, what does this sound like when I crunch into this celery stick? What does it sound like when I bite into the raisin? What does it sound like when I eat the peanut butter? Okay, so that's ants on a log ingredients for anyone who was wondering what I was coming up with there. But we can compare the sounds. We can compare the sounds of different ways people get in the water, if they're tiptoeing in really subtly, or if they're doing a massive cannonball. And the same is true for helping increase the comfort level with what these foods may sound like when they're actually being chewed or eaten in our mouths. Moving forward with that, we could talk about what does it feel like? What does it feel like when you dip one little baby pinky toe in? Or maybe when you're sitting on the side of a pool and you just feel drops hit you. What does that feel like? Well, how does that differ from what it feels like when you're walking in and you kind of hit right at your belly button level and your body kind of shivers? You're halfway in. You're not sure do you want to go deeper or do you want to get out? What does that feel like? Well, we want kids to understand what does it feel like when you take a bite of a food and you're about to start chewing and eating it, but you're just not quite sure because the way it initially feels in your mouth or tastes or sounds or whatever your comfort level and response to that food is makes you wonder if you maybe want to spit it out, but you keep chewing and you keep going. And we talk about this comfort level and this comparison between swimming and eating that kids can so clearly understand without feeling any pressure on eating, but for them to begin training themselves 
in expanding their comfort level to know that they can tolerate a little bit more each time or with any given different food. As we get deeper and deeper and deeper, we look for the fish of what does this taste like? What does this taste like if I lick it with the tip of my tongue? What does it taste like when I'm chewing it in the back of my mouth? What does it taste like when I eat the celery or the peanut butter or the raisins separately versus what does it taste like when I chew all three together, ants on a log, on my back molars? So we want kids to see that there's levels that they can dive in with these given foods that they're comfortable with. When they take a given food for a swim, that doesn't have to be a universal swim or stroke for every food. We want them to think through, how am I comfortable swimming with this food today? Do I wanna go cannonball with it? Am I really only ready to dip my pinky toe in? And this is something the kids and I talk about all the time. So I can kind of understand where are you at with this food? Because some of my kids with some foods might be ready to dive right in, eating it, no big deal. But with other of my kids, I wanna see where is your comfort level so that I can help come alongside you and offer some help and some reassurance and some conversation that helps compel you to take more steps to get you closer to being comfortable to eating with it. So if you're still with me in this analogy, I want you to also consider how can you delight in the details? Instantly what I was thinking about in preparing for this episode is when you take your baby to the pool for the first time. There is like no greater joy. I mean, any first with a child is just always so sweet, but your child does not know how to do anything. They have every aid and every thick coated sunscreen and sun hat and you know, flotation device and eyes on them and cameras taking pictures of them and everything going on. And yet their delight is others' delight. Everyone is enjoying in their delight. And I think that this is really important because something, and you know, I do have three kids, so this makes it easier. But even as an adult, this is really where we get the opportunity to role model to our kid because we can point out other people's delight. We can say, wow, look at how much fun they're having in the water. Look how much delight is on their face as they splash. Look at how much they're enjoying using the diving board. And any of those parallels would be the same for what we could role model or point out as delight in other people eating it. When we are enjoying something that we are eating or others at the table are, let's just point it out. Again, not in a way that's being inadvertently used to pressure our kids, but just to point out the pleasant experience that others get from this same experience. So I can say, I'm really enjoying this. If you followed me for any amount of time, you've probably heard me talk about a dream bite. I say, wow, this is my dream bite. This is such a delight to eat it this way. And so we just wanna point out that delight so they can see different ways that people are enjoying it. So even if they're a little unsure and they're maybe not delighting in the eating experience of the given food yet, they can see that delight can come and what form does that come in for different people. So I know that this episode went a little longer and goodness knows I don't make a long story short pretty much ever, but especially when I'm using an analogy because I think there's just so many ways to continue to expand off of it. But I hope that whether you listen to this while you were packing the pool bag for your guys' next trip to the pool or while you're cleaning up dishes and feeling maybe a little defeated and like you were drowning a little bit in feeding your kids, that this episode can encourage you. You have a whole summer ahead of you to enjoy, yes, the beautiful weather outside with your kids and to make new adventures and experiences and make the most of those sweet memories with your kids. 
but I hope and pray that at mealtimes also, this will be something that you can talk about with your kids. That even if you're practicing thinking through in your own mind, the steps that we talked about, you can begin working through those so then you can begin sharing with your kids. What does it look to take this food for a swim? What does it look like? And kind of think through what are those fish that you guys might be fishing for when it comes to the questions you might be asking about different foods that again, are not as black and white as did you eat, did you not? But it's instead, how deep are you willing to dive in with this? Because any kid who's uncomfortable with getting in the water is not going to walk away enjoying the experience if you just throw them in the deep end and leave them to fend for themselves. Come alongside them, talk with them in the process, and equip them with the tools and the language and the overall skills that they need to succeed in eating just the way you would in swimming.